Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where the force will be with us always. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. You always go for the lightsaber. I was expecting do it. Do I? Yeah, you usually do. I don't remember what I did last time, so I, yeah. It's probably a lightsaber. Um, Today, we're probably. talking about Star Wars again, because Star Wars is ever an important topic to us. Um, We want to just kind of do like a check-in on where we're at with Star Wars at the moment, kind of leading up to Rise of Skywalker, because it's coming out soon. The trailer just came out, even though I don't think we have a ton of like in-depth thoughts about that specifically. So we kind of wanted to step up a level from that and just talk like, how are we feeling about Star Wars? Yeah, because it's been one of those things that I've had a hard time getting myself really excited about Rise of Skywalker, that it's not that I've been disappointed in it. I'm not somebody who is looking at it as a bad thing at all. It's just been something that's been so far away. I haven't been excited and didn't want to burn myself out. And now with this final trailer out and it being under two months now until we get it, it's really starting to to get me hyped up that I've started even before we were really talking about doing this as the episode this week as i got excited and started doing stuff star wars stuff again i started looking into stuff playing games reading and doing all that so it worked out really really well yeah me too i mean that's kind of why i wanted to do the episode i've just been doing slightly more star wars stuff than i was over the past few months and i don't know yeah, if it's pretty much because i know this movie's coming up or if i had just had enough of a break that i was ready to get back to it but i've definitely been doing more and like one of the things that it reminded me was that I haven't actually like watched the movies recently. So I feel like I'm about ready for a rewatch of the entire series, which compared to the MCU at this point doesn't seem that much. It's only like eight movies if you want to just do the episodes. Yeah, I mean, it's not that that intimidating. It was I was a lot more intimidated to do the MCU rewatch than I would be Star Wars. It's uh, Star Wars is almost uh, we've mentioned it before as it being kind of like comfort food. That it's just something that's there. And even paying attention to it doesn't seem like you're watching something like you do uh, something else for me. It's just so comfortable. It's just, I'm watching Star Wars again. So it's not even scary to be like, oh, I'm going to watch these nine movies or anything. It's just like, okay, I'm I'm good. I'm watching Star Wars. Yeah. And like, you know, I've been reading more again. I've been trying to get back into it and find more time in my days for reading. So I've been reading a couple Star Wars novels that I know I haven't really talked about yet, but like I'm getting them back into the mix. Um, I just finished Thrawn and I'm reading the Lost Stars visual novel, which is, I mean, I already like that book, but I'm looking at the visual novel version of it just like visual novel or like graphic novel, Um, graphic novel. I think that's what I meant. so, So comic book. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I'm, I think because it is. like visual novels, as I understand them, and I'm actually just clarifying for myself on what's out there because it sounds cool. Like visual novels, as I know them, are like the video game type where uh, you've got screens and you're reading and characters back and forth. But uh, oh, sorry, yeah, graphic so it's novels definitely are more like the graphic novel. Okay, because I was like, if there's some sort of interactive Star Wars game like that that I've missed based on Lost Stars, it's like, that's what's going to get me reading Lost Stars, even though I know it's fantastic. So I was actually curious. I wasn't trying to be be like a pedantic jerk or anything like that. <laughs> no, so I'm reading that, and um, you know, I'm, I started Master and Apprentice, which is like a Qui-Gon Obi-Wan novel, so it okay. like, jumps way back in the timeline, but it's by one of the Star Wars authors I really like right now. So I'm giving that a shot, and then I'm kind of eyeing Force Collection and then there's another one that's coming out right now that's like i'm not gonna remember the name of it off the top of my head but it, that ties more directly into like uh the actual story of rise of skywalker right. so yeah i'm kind of like doing more of it it's not 
the only thing I'm doing, but I'm definitely getting more into Star Wars. Yeah, and it's I'm the same way. Like I'm doing books and comics a lot more. Uh, you said that you finished Thrawn. You finished the entire trilogy, right? With like Thrawn. I don't even remember the name of the third one. Yeah, I finished um, the last one. It's like Traitor or something like that. Well, I haven't even gotten to that one yet. I actually stopped listening to the second one recently. I've been listening to them while I go out for runs. And I quit listening to the second Thrawn novel, Alliances, and started Life Debt, the uh, second Aftermath novel by Chuck Wendig, uh, because Thrawn Alliances was good, and I'm going to go back and finish it. But it was a really kind of here and there disjointed narrative to me. But I love the fact that that book has kind of a buddy cop thing going between Thrawn and Anakin, and then at some points Thrawn and Vader it's really funny how they characterize vader in that book uh, i'm not sure if you remember it specifically but how how snarky he gets toward thrawn and how much he hates him and it may change as as the story goes that's just where i'm at in it and i was like i'm gonna go back to that but i wanted to read uh life debt because i wanted to get more into the actual overall current era of star wars going into the like because it's a path to the or journey to the force awakens there are some journey to the uh, Last Jedi stuff that I missed, like the Phasma comic uh, that I read, and then the uh, uh, there's now Journey to the Rise of Skywalker. So those are the ones that I'm really trying to focus in on. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a really good place to focus your reading efforts. I kind of did that leading up to the last two movies, which is probably why I'm trying to get back into it now before this one. I've just been right. busy, so I'm not as up to speed as I was the last two times. But you've been doing more comics on Marvel Unlimited, too. Yeah, like I saw that Marvel Unlimited on iPhone had a, a one week free trial uh, just by clicking into the app. So I was like, OK, cool, I'll do that. And then I'll pay for the other one. But it was like a no brainer to do it right then. And I started reading the Phasma comic. That was the first one I really got into. And I don't know. There's a Phasma novel, I know, but I think it's different than what the comic was, because the comic is directly after what happens, uh, actually, sometimes during what is happening during The Force Awakens and the novel wasn't that right um it was no it was a lot earlier it was like when she was getting into the first order basically okay so this one is basically like you see what happens to her after they put her in the trash compactor and in the force awakens and just everything that you learn over the course of this like four issue series is that phasma is a terrible human being like phasma is terrible as a person and i'm really curious like how the novel because you've read it and i haven't characterizes her like is she a legit evil terrible human being in it or is this just something that kind of happened as she's worked with the first order um she's kind of bad in a lot of ways she's i don't know it, it lets you get in her head a little bit more so she's just kind of like planning but ruthlessly yeah because she is ruthless to the point it where it comes across as being evil in the comic so i mean it was really interesting i loved it but it really surprised me because i expected her to be less less evil i guess and just more calculating and military uh so it was it was interesting on that one i'm trying to start in on the main star wars series again where i didn't read very much of it at all uh, i've read a couple of the one-offs and spin-offs and stuff like that that they've done like the age of resistance jedi master stuff that had like a yoda short story and then i'm really looking forward to this kylo ren comic that's either just started or is coming out and they're doing a rise of or a journey to the rise of skywalker one called allegiance which is dealing with kylo ren and ray and a bunch of the others as they move toward this particular 
this particular narrative, and uh, I like it a bunch. Like the ones I've read of it are really good, and there was one where they actually went to crate. Uh, leading up to the last Jedi back when Leia and Luke were early on in the rebellion. And it was really, really good. Like the comics, I'd forgotten how good the comics are. Yeah. I mean, they all help tie it together. I keep having it on my list to go back and do another month or two of Marvel Unlimited. I just haven't had time, but I definitely want to at some point. I've been doing more of like board games for Star Wars. I've been playing uh, Star Wars Outer Rim, which I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you? I've not. No, no. That one's completely new to me. Okay, so it's like bounty hunters and scoundrels, and you just have the outer rim. You have like half of the outer rim of the galaxy is represented. It's not every planet, obviously. It's like, (laughs) yeah, I think it's like eight key planets or maybe it's like 10 something like that um most of which you'll recognize from either books or movies or mostly movies um but you're like bounty hunters you're scoundrels that kind of people um there's things you can do so it's all about getting fame so you're trying to get up to like 10 fame points and you can do it all sorts of ways so you can take bounties you can take jobs you can run cargo um you can like upgrade your ship and get like famous ships and then do like certain objectives with them to like get more fame um Mm -hmm. you know you can get and then you can get like crew and gear and special powers and stuff like that so as you go along you're like building your character and building your ship and equipping it and all of that kind of thing so it has like light rpg elements you know um but it was it was just super fun and the theme was very very strong and it worked really well there's a single player variant to it too which i want to try i haven't done yet but there's like uh ai cards that will kind of tell you what the ai player should do and i looked through them and i was like oh yeah this would work really well this would be fun as like a solo game but when we played just like give you an idea of the the feel of it the characters we chose were boba fett ig88 Jin urso and dr afra so it really like runs the gamut of different like star wars scoundrel characters like you can be han solo you can be lando you can be all sorts of other buttons too and so like it's so weird for me to think about these uh these kind of board games as being single player too that that it's just i'm so out of board games that that's not where my head is and just thinking about a single player board game is so odd with like these ai cards and stuff like that i know it would be really cool it sounds really cool i just it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that yeah so i mean we played four player and we didn't play a full game because it felt well we were playing with the kids so it takes a little bit longer you know so we basically said we're gonna go for like half the fame points and just see how it goes so we did that and it took a while um i think four player play time would be a little long on this game but like two or three players is probably the sweet spot is this a fantasy flight game yeah yep it's one of the fantasy flight star wars games and it has a lot of similarities to like the other things fantasy flight has done with like their dice and how you can have like hits and criticals and focus and like different different things i've seen in some of their other games it reminded me a little bit of imperial assault so now i'm starting to think about like oh maybe i should go back and play imperial assault now that my kids are older and they might be interested in it because they can actually get their head around the tactics and then I could be the Empire and I could like adjust the difficulty to how well they're doing, which is what you can do as the the Imperial player. Um, Yeah, but, you know, we still do like Star Wars Destiny, which is the dice game, too. Yeah, I think that's a fantasy flight. Also, I think fantasy flight maybe just has the license for Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know how their license works, because I know that they're the ones who do the RPG as well, the Edge of the Empire and all of that. So maybe they do just have kind of a tabletop license. I haven't ever actually read what it entails. 
Yeah. So I've been doing Star Wars that way too, which is interesting. Like I like the board games that I've been playing and I haven't liked every Star Wars board game I've played, but I've liked a lot of them. They're, they're all pretty solid. And generally anything Fantasy Flight does is pretty solid too. There are only a couple of stinkers that I've ever really touched. Even then, they're not stinkers in the way that you can sometimes just pick up an unknown board game or like a Hasbro board game and sometimes like, well, that was a waste of $30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then, I mean, there's video games coming out too. So like, I'm super excited for Fallen Order. Like, that's what I'm hyped for, for Star Wars. Um, that, and then I'll be immediately after that, I'm going to be hyped for Rise of Skywalker. But for the moment, Fallen Order yeah. is the main thing that I'm like, as soon as that comes out, I'm diving into it. Yeah, I actually decided to pre-order it. Uh, I have major reservations about this game. This is one where I am not excited for this game. I guess I should say is probably the best way to put it. I am unbelievably cautious toward this game and I want to like it and I have very low expectations for it. So I think that even if everyone else is disappointed in it, that I'll probably like it because I'm going in expecting garbage that uh, EA has kind of uh, just kind of put out. And so if it's better than what I'm expecting, I think that I'm going to be okay, but it's coming out at the time where I'm going to really want some Star Wars, and I decided to go ahead and bite the bullet, enter into that Star Wars conversation like you and I have always talked about being really interesting and awesome to do, and then uh, see whether or not I regret ordering it, but at the same time, it's... I can't not play it because of how different it is from other action games. Yeah, I mean, it's by Respawn, so... I'm feeling pretty good about that part. Like if it was by a different right. developer, I'd be more cautious, but I've liked all the respawn games that I've played over the past few years. So I'm feeling I'm feeling good. The comparisons to Dark Souls has really made me uh, kind of not look at this as being a game that would be for me. So if it turns out to be something that I enjoy, then I will be I will admit that because it looks really cool now the last trailer came out not long ago maybe just the last few days is when I saw it at least and I'm excited to try it because the combat looks really cool from the trailers and everything I've seen but I haven't seen a person playing it if that makes any sense like so I don't know what the actual mechanics of that combat is yeah, we'll have to wait for the final game to come out and kind of see how that balance lands. It's so pretty, though. I will give them, like, a lot of times I say that I'm not really wowed by a lot of graphics, but this new trailer wowed me with its graphics. It's like, I, I look forward to seeing this game. <laughs> well, and you said that you've been playing Battlefront 2, right? I, yeah, I started the single-player campaign this week. I decided, you know, you and Austin both said how, how wonderful the story is and, like, how it was a good experience. And so I started it up. I downloaded it uh, again because I'd uninstalled it off my PS4 and uh, booted it up. And I kind of hate it. It, uh, it. And it's not the story. The story is great. And I really like the characters and how they're approaching everything. But I hate the gameplay that I was frustrated with the gameplay in multiplayer, that it's just uh, it, it, it feels so loose and kind of off. And in single player, it still feels that way, which I was hoping it wouldn't. And so I just don't even like playing the different kinds of, of scenarios that it has, even space. I, I don't like the space. And I mean, I'm playing it on easy and it's frustrating because it's not the game that's hard. It's the game engine seems to be getting in its own way. And I'm not sure if you run, ran into that with Battlefront 2 or if other people or if maybe I'm just being a 
whiny little baby, but it's 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 disappointing because I I'm wanting to get through this story. Yeah, I mean, I never loved Battlefront 2 for the gameplay. You know, I liked the story a lot and then I played the multiplayer because I needed a Star Wars fix and it was okay enough, but it's not like a great game from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, and I'm probably going to power through more of it. I mean, I I'm, I'm I am not a fan of it, but Austin has told me that the uh, Luke Skywalker levels are some of his favorite Star Wars levels that he's ever played in a game. And so that makes me want to uh, want to go to it to see what they've done with it. Huh. Interesting. So I've that's what I want to play it for. Like I've liked I like the heroes in multiplayer. Like those are the matches I always played. So I think I would probably like those levels in the single player as well. Yeah, they kind of feel like those other ones. Um, but you okay. also got Jedi Outcast, I see, which is kind of surprising to me. Really? Why is it surprising? I don't know. It's old. I guess that's the main thing. Like, what what inspired you to pick it up? Like, you probably already own it two or three times on various PC platforms. I actually only own it once. The okay. original release of it uh, for PC, like, is the only one that I, I own the uh, the original, like, CD that it came on. And uh, I loved it. When it came out, I loved this game. I adored it. Like, I've been excited since they announced that this one was going to come onto the Switch because it was one of my favorite Star Wars games out there for a long time. It was like Jedi Outcast, Shadows of the Empire, and then later on, like Force Unleashed. Like, in terms of action games, that's what I loved in terms of Star Wars. And I've learned now, based on Battlefront 2 and Jedi Outcast, that I'm really, really, really bad at first-person shooter games. Like, really bad. Um, so I, d- I learned that these also have the uh, cheats in them that the original Jedi Outcast games had. And so you can put on God Mode, uh, where you take no damage or anything. And the reason that I'm going to do this uh, is that you don't get your lightsaber in Jedi Outcast for probably four hours into the game that you play through like four or five levels until you actually get your lightsaber. And honestly, that's a slog and not terribly fun. And as bad as I am with it and not being a, uh, a mouse and keyboard, it's just not it's frustrating to the point where it's like, I love this game. I like what I'm doing, but so I'm going to put on God mode. This is what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to cheat through it. I'm going to put on God mode, get through those levels and experience those, uh, and probably do the get all, uh, the get all the stuff cheat that they have where you get all the force powers and lightsaber. And then I'll turn God mode off if I do that, but work my way up to the point in the game where you get the lightsaber and start getting force powers. And then I'll, I'll uh, just save a game, use the level skip to get there again, save it without any of the extra stuff and then continue on like a normal game. Uh, because I want to experience the game, but I don't want to play through the really boring stuff that even when I was younger, I didn't like. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. As long as you're having fun with however you're playing it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what it was like. Do I really want to cheat at a game? And then I'm like, are you having fun right now? No. Then get your $13 worth or whatever it was. Actually, it was $9.99 on the Switch. That also helped that it was like super cheap in terms of games where it was, uh, I had some gold coins as well. I think I ended up paying like seven dollars for it overall but it was like yeah i'll pay that for a star wars game get a lightsaber that i and a game that i used to love yeah i mean i guess i don't really see cheats in a single player game as cheating like i'd never have like you can go in console commands you can adapt things you can put on cheats like it's customizing your game it's not affecting anybody else if you're cheating in a multiplayer game i have issues like i don't 
I'm not about that. But if it's a single player game and you're just playing on your own, like, yeah, do whatever you want to customize it. You know, like I do that with games all the time. Like I'll go into, um, you know, console commands and just like change stuff. That's a lot of the time when yeah. I buy a game on PC, that's why I'm doing it is because I think there might be something about the gameplay that I want to adjust. And I know I can on PC, whereas I can't on console. Okay, that's actually hearing you talk about that with The Witcher 3 is one of the reasons I haven't picked it up on Switch, because I know that you've said you don't like the combat and that you ended up putting on God mode to work through the story. And so I'm actually kind of worried about pay about paying that much for it without playing it to know if I would want to do the same thing and get it on PC where it's cheaper. So I may end up doing that. I never even put on God mode for Witcher, but I did go in and give myself like a ton of experience points so i like maxed out my level before i was i don't know like three hours into the game and then i never had to think about combat and that was about perfect okay so i mean that's i understand that i usually look at it from the perspective of i don't want to diminish what i can get out of this game or i don't want to diminish the the overall experience that i'll have which is why i don't want it to be too easy like i don't want to go through the entire game with everything unlocked from the very very beginning of it because i remember loving it going through it the way that it was but i also don't have fun with just a blaster and a stun baton uh and not being able to aim well with the joy cons so i'm like i'm gonna put on all this stuff and do it yeah you should that's good i'm glad you're having fun with it and you find a way to make it work but basically yeah. i'm also super excited because the, i believe that jedi academy the next one in the series is coming out for the switch next year and i never beat it before like i own it as well i don't remember beating it if i did i really just don't remember it. And it was not memorable but i remember enjoying the game a bunch because i could play as a of um whatever Plo Koon is that I can't remember what he is, the name of his species. And I could play as one of them as a Jedi uh, initiate and uh, apprentice to Kyle Katarn. So I look forward to that one next year too, uh, because they announced it at the same time. They announced that this one was coming on the switch now. Yeah. I like that game a lot. I think that's probably one of the star Wars games. I put the most time into over the years was Jedi Academy. So the multiplayer was really cool on it too. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, okay, so before we jump off the Star Wars topic, we have to mention the things that are like impending and really big. So the trailer right. just came out. We're not going to spoil it. So if you're listening and avoiding Star Wars spoilers, don't worry about that. It just it looks really cool. And the main thing that I came away from it with is like I didn't want to do an episode because you and I talked before we saw the trailer. We're like, oh, maybe we do an episode on the Star Wars trailer because we've done that before. Right. And we decided not to because it honestly it doesn't give a ton away. And it was something Mm -mm. that I took from it as a really, really good thing because, like, it basically doesn't tell us what's happening in the story except giving hints about who's where, when, that kind of thing. But it does – it does this thing where it's setting a tone. It's really a tone piece, and not a lot of movies can do that without impacting their bottom line. Star Wars and the MCU are, like, the only two that can get away with it. So I'm glad that they took this opportunity to really just, like, give us a a couple-minute tone piece that's, like, full of action and, like, excitement and, like, get the hype up, but not really give anything away. Like, compared to other Star Wars trailers, I felt like this one did a really good job of not telling us what's going on. And... I'm I'm I love this trailer. Let me let me start out by saying that one because I think I am 100% in agreement with you. Like this was a tone piece. It made me feel what I'm going to feel in the movie and uh, at least what they want me to feel right now and it worked 
for that. I don't think any of the trailers have gotten me as excited as the very, very first one that they released. Um, and it may, I don't know if that's because of the footage that's in it versus the others, but I am crazy excited because I have no real idea of what's going on in this. Like I have a lot of stuff, like I've been one of them who now has gone through like frame by frame, pausing it and looking at different, uh, aspects of what's being shown and really trying to figure it out, which made me fall down the spoiler and leak hole on Reddit and different places and like Star Wars speculation and Star Wars leaks, the subreddits and uh, like reading a bunch of stuff like that. But it's all so up in the air that I don't really believe any of what I'm reading. I'm just so interested in Star Wars right now. I'm kind of just reading the fan. I'm taking these as fan theories for all the stuff I see because there's a lot of contradicting stuff. And even the stuff I am seeing is what I expect out of the movie based on what we've seen in the trailers. So I'm I'm really excited because I even falling down the spoiler hole and leak hole I don't really know anything other than what's in the trailers, and it it excites me because it's hard to go into a movie that way. Yeah, I mean, I think I've gone into a lot of the Star Wars movies with, you know, not hunting for spoilers, but not avoiding them, and kind of speculating, like spending a lot of mental energy thinking about, like, what could it be? What could it mean? What did the, what about this? You know, right. and doing some of that, like, frame by frame, like, I want to look at that. I want to look at this other thing and try to come to my own conclusions. I've never been one that goes and, like, digs through the internet to find out, like, all the spoilers, because I just don't care that much. Um, right. But I think that Rise of Skywalker is one where I'm probably not going to go out of my way to try to learn a whole lot. I'm also not avoiding anything, but, like, like I could go into it knowing what I know now, which is a whole lot of, like, not much. And I'd be fine with that. I am. It's weird because I'm the opposite of you. I completely avoided as much as possible on The Last Jedi and Force Awakens. Like I did not engage in any kind of spoiler talk with Force Awakens. Like the only things that I really let myself get into on that one was the officially released trailers and things like that. But I would not go into any of the even remotely spoilerific stuff because I did not want that ruined for me. And right now I don't feel like that's ruined ruining anything for me i'm just so excited to see how things are playing out and it also uh one of the things that also got me going down that hole as well was that the new toys have come out i didn't realize until just walking into the store that it had been force friday just a week or two ago and uh right before the the trailer release actually and i ended up buying one there's a knight of ren action figure now and it just looks really cool. And that got me excited. And then I was like, I wonder what the Knights of Ren are doing in this movie. And then it just kind of went snowballed from there. And they've only been in the trailer like teeny little bit. But seeing the action figure and that in the trailers made me so excited to know more about all of this stuff. Cool. I'm glad your hype is getting up there because it doesn't always happen that way for you. But I'm, I'm no. always happy when it does. Now, speaking of hype, though. We got two weeks until The Mandalorian as well. Yes, that like, is very How imminent. hyped are you? I'm excited. I haven't actually seen the newest trailer yet. 
I saw it this morning. Okay. I didn't know when the newest trailer came out, if it was last night, yesterday, or whatever. I actually saw it in a Disney Plus email this morning because I'd gone ahead and signed up. I think I told you about it the other week or the other day that they I went ahead and just signed up because I didn't want to wait on a bundle because I already have like Spotify and Hulu bundled and I didn't want to deal with the paperwork and moving stuff around. So I was like, here, Disney, here's my seven bucks. <laughs> and uh, I got an email about it and uh, showing that there was a new trailer. And because the last night I found that there was a new poster they've done some character art and uh, i took a picture of it zoomed in and made the mandalorian a a my phone background and then i wake up this morning and there's a new trailer in my email so i'm like of course i'm watching this and it got me really excited like the first trailer got me excited this one got me crazy excited and we get this in two weeks i know that's super soon um I, I think I'm more excited for this than I have been for like the spin-off movies or a mm-hmm. lot of the other shows. We've never really had a like live action Star Wars show, so this could be really good. The cast is good, the directors and like the writers for it are good. It's overseen by Kathleen Kennedy, which she knows what she's doing. Like it it has the right casting crew, so this is set up for success. And I really, really hope that it lives up to that. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, John Favreau has rarely done things that are really bad. Um, I really, really like his work. And even though he didn't direct any of this show, he worked as a writer and he show ran it. And then he's directing part of season two, which is already uh, in pre-production or production. Uh, he just couldn't do uh, any this season because for the first season because of The Lion King and its production schedule. And uh, I was reading just a little bit more. I don't even remember where it was that uh, because of all of that, like him being involved and just the way that timelines worked, they started doing uh, the digital backgrounds and things like that in the show that had to be the the actual like CGI part that they've done those in the unreal engine, like the game engine so that they could be rendered faster, cheaper, and uh, they could change everything in real time. That's super interesting. I mean, it seems like like that's a natural fit for it though. Yeah, it does. And looking at it that like I read that and the last night, then I read the, then I watched the trailer this morning and I'm looking at it and I'm like, they did such a good job. It's like looking at it, it, it doesn't look like what you expect out of a video game. And so it's like, even though we get these hyper-realistic Unreal Engine games right now, it's like you look at that and it's like in this live action show, it doesn't look out of place. And it's a fantastic use of that technology. That's super I, I cool. I love that. Yeah. That's... And the original uh, basis of this show was that, I don't know if you remember it back in like 2008, 2009, George Lucas announced that there was going to be a live action Star Wars show and that he had written like 50 scripts already. Um, this is based on a handful of those and some of the ideas that were going into that one. Um, Boba Fett was going to be a character in it, and so they've adapted it into a post uh, Return of the Jedi uh, show rather than whatever it was before. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's been rewritten and not actually written by George Lucas, I think we're in a good spot. And from everything yeah. I've seen, the the casting crew is all set up for this one. Yeah, everything about this is screaming that it is going to be uh, just 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 delightful. That that I I cannot I can't wait. Cool. So that's kind of where we're at with Star Wars these days. We'll talk more once Rise of Skywalker comes out because I'm sure we'll do a whole episode about it. We'll have things to say. And I mean, when like Jedi Outcast and there's other things coming out too. You know, Fallen Order stuff like that. Um, but for now. Let's get to our geeky offer of the week. And 
before we do that, this is the last call for Q&A. Uh, you guys can send our your questions to us. We're going to uh, lock in the list for the Q&A episode very soon, sometime this week, because we're recording in the next couple weeks so that we can have mm-hmm. that in the feed so we can take a break for Thanksgiving. Um, and, of course, you can support us at patreon.com slash geek2geekcast. That's what keeps the podcast running. We appreciate all of our patrons. You guys are amazing. Um, around the network this week on Geekitude, they talked about Disney Plus and all of the like the ridiculous amount of shows coming to it and movies and just content, everything on Disney Plus. Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. They had an episode about Ghostbusters, which is funny. Um, and then Troidal is streaming on Thursday mornings. Capsules Day is streaming Tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern, sometimes Thursdays and weekends. And The Geekery this week, I saw that 13th story wrote about like future-proofing games and how developers can think about that. Um, and you can get all of that stuff if you go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe. So with that being said, what do you have for Weekly Geekery this week? Well, actually, a lot of mine was the Star Wars stuff initially, and I was like, okay, I'm still playing Dragon Quest Eleven. I mean, I don't actually have a whole lot other than the Star Wars stuff that I was doing. Um, still pounding through the last, the the different post-game stuff for uh, Eleven DQ11. It's really, really good still. I'm having a hard time with other games keeping my attention because of how invested I am in it. Like, I try to take breaks and give myself a little bit of a breather from it, and other games just aren't keeping my attention. Uh, kind of like you've been lately. It's like, this is good. I'm going to go back to something else now. And <laughs> yeah. I... I just, I can't help it. And I feel you on that. And I decided this morning, actually, that uh, because you and everyone else in the world have been talking about the Outer Worlds and you beat it over the weekend. And I decided, you know, PC Game Pass is a dollar. I'm going to download this and see what it's about. And I played it maybe two hours today ish. And it's really, really good. So I know you have a lot more thoughts than I do on that, but that's probably the most, uh, the, the most non Star Wars geekery that I've got this week. Yeah. I mean, I beat the Outer Worlds in like two days. So that's what I've been doing with my geekery. Um, it is, if you guys haven't seen it, it's kind of like what if Fallout 4 was more sci-fi and less like 50s nuclear stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. It's by the people who made Fallout New Vegas and like Knights of the Old Republic 2 and a bunch of other games. It's Obsidian, if you guys know Obsidian, the developers. Um, and it's, to me, it was a lot funnier than Fallout, but still in that like dystopian, like something's off sort of style. Um, yeah. The theming of it and the whole like solar system that you're in is this corporate dystopia where like corporations took over and it's basically like capitalism run rampant and then kind of like left alone and forgotten and not supported. And all these people have been indoctrinated into this like extreme capitalism dystopia place where they're super loyal to the corporations, but in a funny, but also kind of horrifying way. Um, And you are revived after being like frozen for 70 years as a colonist that was never revived when you were supposed to be revived. So you have this outside perspective coming into that world. And it touches on a lot of these modern day concerns around like companies and capitalism and company loyalty, but through the lens of being funny and giving you a game and, you know, humor and all that. There's a lot of Firefly and Mass Effect and Fallout and Bioshock. All of those games. I felt all of those games playing this game. I haven't felt the Mass Effect so much because I haven't played as much of it, but absolutely, like, your first companion is basically Kaylee from Firefly. Yeah, basically. And, like, like it, and that's fine. That's great. Uh, definitely plays 
plays almost exactly like New Vegas to me. Like you could put them side by side, and this is a better version of New Vegas's uh, uh, combat and everything else. Uh, well, more more refined, I guess I should say, than better. And like Bioshock, definitely. I was in an elevator early on, and I just looked around. I was like, man, this feels like I'm playing Bioshock again in the best way, like not in a derivative way, but uh, man, these people knew what they were doing, kind of way. It has all of this DNA from a bunch of games that we've played in the past, but in a really good mashup way that I'm liking a lot. And like the companions are a huge highlight for me. And maybe that's one of the Mass Effect things that I'm feeling is that they actually like give you a bunch of companions. They're all different. You get to pick a couple of them every time you go out on a mission and interact with them and they have their own companion stories and stuff that Mm -hmm. I like in a Western RPG. Uh, So when I played through, I actually made like a talking character, like dialogue based, you know, persuasion, lying, that kind of thing. Because... I feel like it rarely works in games, and there have been times before where I started going down that path, and then I gave up really quickly because it just doesn't work. It totally worked in this game. I had so much fun being like a talky, dialogue-y type of character. Um, So I maxed those out, and then I started building out my leadership skill. So by the end of the game, I could basically talk my way out of almost every situation, and if I got into a situation where I had to fight or I wanted to fight um, because I had this leadership skill... My companions were just overpowered destroyers. So Um, I wouldn't actually fight people. I would just sick my companions on them and everybody else would just like die. And it was fantastic. It was so fun to play that way. That's a really good idea because I've gone the talky way. Like I've made a lot of my lot every time I'm putting multiple points into my talky stuff. And it's a good idea for the leadership. That makes sense because some of my favorite ways to play Skyrim have been as a as a as a summoner and just summoning so much stuff and then just sitting back and watching the chaos. So that would be probably the way that i will go with this yeah it's really cool i mean your companions get special abilities and if you just stack those leadership skills and then you pick up the right perks you can almost non-stop trigger their special abilities to the point where they just destroy everything wow that sounds really awesome it was fun it was really fun so all in it was probably like 15 to 20 hours for me i was playing it on pc so the epic game store doesn't actually have like a time counter but i roughly know how much i played it was probably something like 16 18 hours and I think for most people, this is probably going to be like a 30-ish hour game, maybe 40 if you're really doing absolutely everything, which I think I did most things. I got like all the companions and I did, I think, almost every side quest that I could get to. Like it felt like I really put this game through its paces and I still beat it in less than 20 hours. But again, I skip voice acting because I read ahead and I read really fast. So if you are listening to all the voice acting, I think this is more like a 30-ish to 40-ish hour game. Yeah, I've been skipping a lot of dialogue. There are some, when I like the character, I'll listen to him. Kind of like in uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, where I listen to Silvando's uh, dialogue, but not everybody's. That's the way I am with this one. Like, when I think there's a funny line or something I want to uh, listen to as I read it, I'll let it keep playing. Yeah, and, like, it's interesting because I'm glad it was this, like, shorter game because mm-hmm. it was condensed in a smart way, right? Like, they scoped the game where it's not one giant open world. It's really a series of like smaller open areas, but it's connected by like your spaceship. So you can fly around the galaxy to like different landing pads. So you get like subsections of planets, right? But you don't have to have this Mm -hmm. one giant open world the way that Fallout always does. And because of that, because of the way they scoped it, um, it was right when the game started to feel like samey to me. And when I would think about quitting, if I was in a Fallout game, 
that's right when the run-up to the end of the game started and it hooked me enough that it just pulled me all the way through the end so i powered through the end of that game and i was like loving every minute of it even though i hit a point maybe two-thirds of the way through that where i was like oh i don't know how much more of this game is there should i look up how far i am and then right. enough things happened that i was like okay i'm on the trajectory towards the end this is awesome so i like the game a lot I'm almost tempted because it was shorter. It wasn't this 40 or 100 or 150 hour RPG. Um, I'm kind of tempted to play through it again as a murderous character that just goes crazy because everything I saw in playing through makes me believe that this game is extremely adaptable to everything you do. And there are a lot of pre predefined like choices. You can often find a third middle ground or even like a fourth twist to it. And there were a couple times where I wasn't really happy with the options I was getting. So I actually just decided like, let me play it out, see if I can get what I want. And then if not, you can just kind of off the person. And it always adapted. It always just picked it up. Whereas in other Bethesda games and stuff, I've ended up in situations where it's like, oh, you killed the wrong character or you got somebody stuck in a weird situation and now your game is stuck forever. That never happened in this game. It always wow. adapted to whatever I did. And I've seen that there is a speed run of this game that was done. I uh, saw this on Twitter today that there was a 30 minute and 54 second speed run done of this game. And one of the comments on it said that someone at some point that he or uh, the guy who did this must have killed some very must have offed. I think actually is the way they put it too. some really important NPC for the overall story fairly early on to be able to mainline it that much just to have it adapt that far. It's like that was that's nuts to me to take this game and beat it in 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be something like that, where they, like, kill the key NPC, and then it just adapted around it. Yeah. But it doesn't surprise me that the game can handle it, because it's really good at handling stuff like that. So if you've Even ever... Even from where I am is the same way, yeah. Yeah, if you've ever felt, like, hamstrung by a game not letting you actually make your own choices, this game lets you do it, to, like, you can do kind of whatever you want, and it's awesome. Um, so... I think Outer Worlds gets my recommendation fully. I know you're still early in it, but it's also worth mentioning, like you said up front, it's in Game Pass. So if you have an Xbox or PC Game Pass, you just you have this game already. Yeah, and Game Pass on PC is a dollar for the first month, four ninety nine for other months, and then like right now uh, on our Discord, I'd have to go look and see, but there's some sort of deal to get uh, if you get like three months of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, then you get three months free, something like that that they link to. But uh, since I don't have an Xbox One, there was no point in getting that one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Game Pass is a whole other discussion, but it's it's what's going to push me into getting some kind of Xbox next generation, I'm sure. Yeah, um, for sure. Outside of video games, I've been reading, like I mentioned last couple of weeks. So I read uh, Star Wars Thrawn Treason. Treason is the name of that last okay. book in that trilogy. Right. And, gotcha. you know, it's the third one. It takes place before the end of Star Wars Rebels. It's kind of about the internal politics and maneuvering inside the Empire. And it's related to the Death Star and the TIE Defender projects and like internal bickering around that. Um, it does right. a lot of work to introduce the Chiss beyond just Thrawn, which I appreciated and kind of established them as a culture. And it it felt like the end of the Thrawn series, basically. Like, if they wanted to leave it there and never go back to Thrawn as a character, they probably could because of what they did in Rebels. But also, they could have him come back too, and it would be fine. And I haven't finished Rebels, and so I'm glad to hear what you just said because I was afraid they were going to kill him off. And so I'm just glad they didn't. 
Yeah. So I'm glad that that he's still there for that more stories could happen, whether they do or not. They definitely could. You should watch the end of Rebels, and then we'll I talk about to. it again. Um, and then outside of that, so I read the Throne of Eldraine, the Wildered Wildered Quest. Um, whatever the Throne of the Eldraine novel is that ties in with this latest magic expansion. And the story was so much more comprehensible than War of the Spark because War of the Spark had way too many characters in it. And this one uh. really collapses that down, but in in a good way. I liked it a lot. Um, I like the new plane that they've created for the set. And I like that like the story just worked for me. The setting worked for me. What they've done to set up this plane and like structure a story within it was really cool like that arthurian legend structure of the world and then interspersed with fairy tales throughout it was it it, like i said it just kind of worked for me um and i want to know more about what happens to the main characters after this book which is always a good sign that it's like oh i liked it enough that i want to know what happens next basically yeah for sure yeah especially for a tie-in novel that tie-in novels aren't known for their really interesting characters. So for you to want to know what happens next to these people is a pretty high recommendation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I like the book. And then um, I also read Every Tool is a Hammer, which is I listened to this one because I like listening to Adam Savage's podcasts. And this seemed like maybe an extended version of some of the stuff he's talked about. And it totally was. So it was Adam Savage. It was all about making and his history with making, but also just like what it means to be a maker in the world and all these lessons he's learned and all of these different ways you can be a maker. And I don't know, there were there was a lot of just good stuff in it that I liked. And I love when in his books and in his podcast, when he talks, he talks about all of these different types of making, you know, everything from like making art on your own to coding to like, you know, the stuff you normally think of like woodworking or like steelworking or engineering. But there are so many types of making beyond that and it touches on all of that in the book which is fantastic and i'm not a huge fan of adam savages i know we've talked about that in the past but it's always interesting to hear about all of this uh all of this stuff that he does that i like hearing about it and uh, like you said all the different kinds of making like i'm not into maker culture but it's so cool to listen to and like see people talk about it Right. And I mean, the thing is, like, everybody's a maker. It's just that a lot of people don't realize what thing they do is making something, right? Like, you're a writer. You write all the time. You are a maker right. in that way. Also, you make podcasts, by the way, um, <laughs> if you didn't know. And, <laughs> I didn't. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was a really good book. If you've ever thought about, like, being a maker or what it means or lessons you can learn and just hearing from somebody who's done it before, um, it was super fascinating. And especially for me, there was a chapter about lists and it was like that, <laughs> that resonated with me. I was like, yeah, because he talked about his aversion to lists and how he just never wanted to make them. It felt like a waste of time. And that's how I was for a really long time too. Oh. And then you realize that lists become part of a process and they actually make you a better maker, a better organizer. They become part of a project in a way that's intrinsic to how you project plan that makes for a more complete making experience. And I found all of those things to be true. And I only found them to be true through lots of like work and experience and realizing how much lists have helped me. But it was cool to hear somebody else's take on it too. Yeah, that's, that's neat that lists were specifically a part of it. Yeah. And I guess the last thing that I was reading, um, that's worth mentioning is I'm still working on the Final Fantasy Lost Stranger as they've been releasing like collected volumes of it. So I read volume three. Um, I'm just kind of waiting for the end of it. Like I want that story to wrap up and I don't know how far from the end it is, but it's Final Fantasy and it's like a guy 
put into a Final Fantasy world, who knows mm-hmm. about Final Fantasy from our world. It Again, it's something that's just totally up my alley. I probably wouldn't recommend it to a ton of people, but if you're a diehard Final Fantasy fan, it's worth taking a look at. Yeah, that one is that's one of those that's on my list that one day I'm going to run across it on Amazon and it's going to be on sale. And I'll be like, yeah, I need to read that and actually buy it. But until then, I always forget to seek it out where it sounds so interesting. And and you and other people have told me that it's really good for people like us who know that kind of know the content and know that those worlds. And just for me, it's like, I'll get to that. I, I don't know why it's not something that I don't seek out because I know I will love it whenever I do. <laughs> whenever you get around to it, yeah. Yep. Um, okay, that's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback, or questions. Last week for questions. Um, our email address Please is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek to geekcast We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links, and you can check out all the other content on the network while you're there. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's, and you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beege with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Hey Geeks, this is Capsule J. I'm a streamer on the Geek2Geek Media Network. If you like discovering new games and chatting with cool nerdy folks, be sure to check out my channel on Twitch. You can find it at twitch.tv slash CapsuleJ. That's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. I stream a blend of indies, retro games, and RPGs most Tuesday nights from 8pm to 11pm Eastern, and occasionally on Thursdays and weekends. Hope to see you then! Hi! My name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello friends, this is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch. Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And together we are Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture. We talk about books, movies, music, basically anything we want at this point. Yes, we obsess about K-pop. And Keanu Reeves. And sometimes Katie cries on the podcast. Hey, that's rude. But really, we are just here to talk about all the things that we love. So make sure to head over to teatimewithkc.com and geek2geekmedia.com to check us out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you download your podcasts. Bye! Bye.